everyone, it's Alan Schimmel, DevOps.com, Security Boulevard, Container Journal, and you're listening to a DevOps chat. I'm happy to have uh, as uh, my cohort today, somewhat of a regular guest, he's been here before, Ronnie Osnott, uh, VP Aqua Security. Ronnie, welcome. Thank you, Alan. Good morning. So, Ronnie, you're sitting in your desk in Israel. I'm sitting here at my desk in, in uh, Boca Raton, Florida, and inevitable march of containers as a dominant form of, uh, of, of application infrastructure appears to be moving ahead on all fronts. Lots of new news around Kubernetes and container adoption. And of course, contain, anytime we're talking about containers and container adoption, there's container security involved. What, what are you seeing from your point of view? So we are, yeah, we are seeing a lot of movement in the market. Basically, I would say a, a, a widening of adoption. So lots of new entrants into the space uh, from the end user perspective. Uh, more and more enterprises getting into the thick of things. Obviously, at different stages of adoption, but uh, you know, very wide interest and adoption, uh, at least at early stages. And then, you know, some some of the uh, the more um, advanced companies are way, way, way into production uh, with multiple applications, some of them hundreds of applications. And I'm not just talking about the, you know, Facebooks and Twitters of the world. I'm talking about established uh, Fortune 100 companies that we all know. Yeah, no, Ronnie, I I agree. I mean, we're seeing, I, I am constantly amazed, it seems that every survey, every analysis that comes out, shows not only greater adoption or intent to adopt containers, but actually using containers in production environments, which to me is sort of that last best zone, right? It's that last, that's the real credibility. When you're using these, this in, as, your, as your production environment, the numbers are phenomenal. I mean, the rate of adoption, the rate of deployment, I don't remember the VMware hypervisor thing catching on as quickly as containers. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I've been I've been in that round of uh, kind of shift uh, back in the day as well, and I remember remember it as being a lot slower. And I think there are a, a few reasons why this is going even faster. One is obviously uh, the fact that a lot of this is driven by cloud. Uh, adoption, cloud migration, hybrid cloud uh, strategies, and so forth. So the, there are drivers that you know are, are kind of outside the realm of just the technology <clears throat> that really uh, make this happen faster. The other reason, I think, is that the benefits are just overwhelmingly positive. Um, the agility and scalability that these uh, uh, Technologies enable whether it's you know containers, microservices, the whole this whole group of uh, what's now being coined uh, cloud native technologies. Uh, these are all driving a huge amount of benefit uh, to any size organization, but even you know especially the larger ones actually see greater benefits. So I think that's the reason why we're seeing all this uh, mass movement. Sometimes even at um, you know at at the at the uh, risk of having things uh, better organized after the fact, whether it's 
around security specifically or just around you know configuration management or or, or processes right so they they kind of go head in first and then kind of figure it out uh, usually uh, what we see is the customers start with one application not necessarily a you know critical a business critical application but something that is relatively new that they need and um, and then they um, you know figure it out, uh, learn from uh, from that, and then move on to more and more critical applications. Uh, but, and, you know, a lot of the companies that we work with are at that stage where they're either before deployment of the first application or after uh, deployment of the first application, you know, figuring out how to scale up. Um, and uh, some of them are also in that stage where they're really already you know, way beyond that and are really migrating virtually, you know, any, any any application that they can to those platforms. Got it. Got it. So, Ronnie, a couple of things in here, though, you know, recent news items. First of all, we saw Kubernetes graduated. If that's, I think that's the term they used. Kubernetes graduated the native cloud uh Computing Foundation, I don't know, open source project incubator or mentorship, or I, I don't even know what to call it. But I, I'm sure you probably saw the news as well. You guys are intimately involved with uh, native uh, cloud, uh, native cloud, and and Kubernetes. Obviously, what for our listeners, what exactly does that mean, as far as you know? Yeah, so so definitely, it's moved from uh, you know an open source pro like a, a pet project, right? That was originally Open source by Google uh, to something that's a lot, uh, a lot more widely supported and adopted. Uh, you know, right now Kubernetes is at 1.9, uh, with 1.10 planned for release soon. Um, and there have been just leaps and bounds of progress uh, over the past year in terms of its capabilities uh, around everything, really uh, you can imagine, and and and. Uh, Stability, scalability, and so forth. Um, at the same time, you also have a much better ecosystem of companies supporting it. Whether it's actual contribution to the open source, you know, everybody from Google to Microsoft to Red Hat to IBM, uh, you know, are behind this. Dell, you know, there's no the list is very long. Not just large companies, but also smaller companies and individual contributors. Uh, we ourselves also uh, contribute. Uh, some stuff to, to the Kubernetes uh, uh, community. Um, we have a tool called the CubeBench, which is a, an open source tool that enables you to check your cluster against uh, best practice security configuration uh, as stated by the CIS uh, benchmark. So, you know, you have a lot of these things happening all at once, which just created a huge momentum of people both uh, contributing to and using Kubernetes, which of course creates this kind of uh, uh, cycle uh, of, of you know more contribution, more adoption, um, and so I think you know we're definitely headed down a, a very good path here. Um, that said, you know I would say that in terms of maturity, Kubernetes is probably a teenager or <laughs> you know something like that. I mean, there's still a lot of uh, things that need to be refined and um, improved. And there was a very nice roadmap and which is open to everyone because it is an open source project. And 
you know, it will continue to improve. So, you know, if I look at companies making choices today, saying, okay, what is what am I going to use as my orchestration platform or management platform for um, my next move into into cloud native applications? There's no doubt that um, there's no doubt that um, we're going to uh, you know see much better um, uh, you know we're going to see much um, much more commitment uh, towards uh, adopting Kubernetes. Uh, we're going to see uh, I mean people have choices today of using supported or or managed Kubernetes offerings from the likes of Red Hat with OpenShift or uh, or other other firms like Heptio and uh, uh, you know Platform Nine, and there's there's really a bunch of them out there. Uh, so there are options, right? If you you don't have to do everything yourself, you can get help. Uh, but in terms of making the gamble on what technology to use, that's probably you know the winning proposition uh, at the moment, and it, it it seems like a pretty safe bet, right? I mean it's a uh, uh, the, the adoption is just so wide that, uh, you know, that this is probably the, the de facto standard right now. Understood. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, speaking of, of new releases and continued maturity, uh, you, you folks over at Aquasec released a, uh, a new version, yeah? Yes, we, uh, we released version 3.0 of our, of our platform uh, last week. And um, we, uh, this has been a culmination of quite a lot of work we've done with customers as well as some forward-looking work, uh, looking at some market trends and, and things we thought we should uh, pay attention to and support. Um, there are several key themes to this, uh, to this release. The one major theme is really around Kubernetes uh, specifically. Uh, we took all the progress that was made in Kubernetes, especially versions 1.8, 1.9, which are the two recent ones, and um, and really tried to leverage as much as we can uh, on the security side while adding uh, significant value on top of that. Uh, because you know, what, what we're, when we look at Kubernetes today, there are a lot of options to do. Um, to provide security controls, and there's a lot of hooks built into it to allow you to do things like segment your network and enforce uh, user access, uh, you know, role-based user access controls um, and, and stuff like that. But um, it, it's it, it takes a lot of knowledge, configuration, and work to get it right. So we want to add value by doing something that, first of all, is secure by default. Uh, second is much easier to manage and closes that skill gap because let's face it, you know, you're not going to go into enterprises today and find a lot of Kubernetes security experts, uh, whether they're security experts who know Kubernetes or Kubernetes experts who know security, um, you know, they're, they're just not out there. So uh, you want to close that gap by providing tools that allow you to to do that. And, and the third is really around, um, you know, a principle that, we both know as uh, separation of duties or segregation of duties, uh, yeah. which in the DevOps world is um, kind of being blurred. And, and that's one thing that really should not be blurred, right? So even if you have a DevSecOps uh, approach and you have a 
embedded security in your DevOps team and so forth, um, there still needs to be clear separation between the people who run the cluster and the people who are in charge of securing the cluster, right? So that you can't, you can't let the cat guard the cream, right? It, it, it has to be separated. And so we, uh, we enable that by, uh, you know, by creating this separation between the people who create the policy, enforce the policy, and the people who actually run uh, the Kubernetes cluster. Got it. Good. And so, Ronnie, you know, living in such a fast-changing, fast-paced world, do you classify this as a major new release? Is this just, you know, in the DevOps way, just an iteration? <laughs> we just keep doing iterations pretty rapidly. What What yeah. is the release cycle at Aqua, for instance? So, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about the release cycle in a second, but it is, a, it is a major release. The other thing we did was a major architectural change uh, we introduced to our, to our platform, uh, which is to add the ability to support environments. They don't have a good, cool name uh, today, but basically we call them, you know, uh, zero infrastructure or VM-less uh, environments. Those are basically container-as-a-service offerings uh, that are run by uh, Amazon and Azure at the moment. Uh, at Amazon, it's called uh, AWS Fargate. At um, Azure, it's called uh, Azure Container Instances, ACI. And these are new services that were introduced late last year where um, the user or customer doesn't uh, need to manage any clusters or any hosts or nodes or infrastructure. So basically, they, they say, I want to run a container, and they run a container. Where that container runs, they don't know, right? That's managed by the cloud service provider. And uh, this introduces a new challenge to, um, to this space because um, our own approach, as well as the approach of most other vendors in our space, whether in security monitoring or storage, um, has been to use the model known as a sidecar container, where you deploy a, a container that looks at all the other containers on the same hosts on the same host and 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 you know and you know provides uh, uh, control points. Um, so if you're running thirty containers on a VM, uh, you add one more container, which is uh, we call it the Aqua Enforcer, and that's how we actually do our runtime security. Uh, and the same goes for many other vendors in in our space. Um, that model doesn't work with these services because there is no host, as far as you know, right? I mean, you, you don't know what it is. It's completely virtualized. So the solution in this case is to embed the control code, the security code, uh, into the image itself so that when you run the container, it's kind of a self-policing container. Um, and we call this technology the micro-enforcer, and that's another thing we introduced in uh, Aqua 3.0, um, and that is a complete new architecture that we support. Uh, side by side with the previous architecture, we still think the sidecar container is the right approach for the vast majority of deployments, but we have to be ready for those uh, Fargate and ACI deployment types. And I'm sure there's going to be more of those coming from other cloud providers. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so, so it is a major version. In general, uh, we work, uh, you know, we, we work with very agile uh, methods ourselves here at Aqua. Everything is containerized. We do use, um, you know, CI/CD uh, pipeline tools, etc., for our own releases. And um, 
in terms of formal releases, uh, we usually have one every couple of months. But in between, we do sprints where we offer customers um, minor uh, updates that are, uh, you know, both bug fixes as well as new features uh, that are added. Uh, but we don't necessarily announce them as a, as a release. Got it. Excellent. And and that's kind of the DevOps way, right? When you're when you're doing continuous improvement, can, continuous delivery, to start doing announcing announcements and hullabaloo over every new feature that gets added. Well, I, I guess it's good for the for the PR agencies, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, there's only so much you can announce, right? I mean, the, the yeah. market will take Desensitize so much. People. You, you can't announce a new version every month. It's just not, you know, sure. it gets a bit tired. <laughs> so, Ronnie, we're heading, you know, here we are in middle of March, heading to April. And, and this year, April is RSA season. It's usually the right. end of February, but it's a little later. Uh, what's your plans for RSA? So, first of all, we're sponsoring the um, – the uh, DevOps Day at RSA. The DevSecOps Days. DevSecOps Day, yeah. Yep. Uh, which is the Monday, right? The, yes. the first week of our, the first day of the, the week of RSA. Yep. Um, the Moscone where, Center. Yep. Where we expect, uh, you know, probably well over 1,500 people to attend through the day. Um, yes. through the day. We, uh, we think that's the right, you know, forum for us. At RSA, RSA obviously draws a huge crowd of security professionals, but um, as both you and I know, most of what these security professionals are uh, concerned with today uh, has to do with more traditional. You know, I, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to sound too uh, conceited, but you know, yesterday's threats, right? So, well, um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say most of them were more concerned about how many women were keynoting. But that's, that's a whole Maybe. other story. Uh, so, you know, I, I have an interesting take on that, though, Ronnie. Yes, while many of the 50,000 expected people to come to RSA this year, you know, maybe take a more, let's call it traditional approach to security that is a lot about network security, a lot about endpoint security, consumer security, if you will. Um, I, you know what? I I think DevSecOps is mainstream. I do think AppSec is mainstream. I think containerized security or container security is is becoming mainstream. So while all 50,000 may not be uh, worried about how to secure their Kubernetes and, and container infrastructure today, I think it's it's on their radar, and they've you know they've got to start uh, thinking about it because it, it's going to be the infrastructure they deploy on going forward. So, I, I I'll have to disagree with you somewhat, maybe on semantics, but okay. um, semantic uh, but yeah, <laughs> not semantic, but semantics. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think. You know, I wouldn't call it mainstream yet. I think it's getting into the mainstream. I think there are a lot of people interested in it, for sure. Um, you know, but if you look at the overall security, you know, the body of security professionals that's there, uh, we're probably talking about, you know, maybe 10% who are 
um, relevant to, to our business right now, which is probably a significant increase from last year, right? Um, so I do see this evolving. I do see this developing. Um, I can tell you that last year at RSA, we had a, we had a container security talk, which was put at, like, it was Thursday at 3 p.m., right? One of the session tracks, mm-hmm. which is Thursday at 3 p.m. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, the time when you start uh, dismantling your booth. Exactly. People are on their way um, to the airport. The expo, the expo is shutting down. Yep. And so we thought, we thought maybe 50 people will show up. We had 450 people show up. Yeah. So that's right. You know what? I disagree with you, Ronnie. I, I think it's more than 10%. And I'm going to hold you to it. I, I'm going to go back to some of my RSA folks and ask them if they've done any kind of research into how many people are concerned or interested in container security. No, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, 450, 450 people is great on a Thursday for sure. Sure. Um, but it's, that was but it's still one. But it's still one percent of the attendees, right? Yes. So it's not it's yeah. not keynote material yet. Well, look, they, they got enough trouble with keynotes. One step I, at a time, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I am I am proud to say though that you know fifty percent of the people uh presenting at DevSecOps days are in fact uh women. That's great. Yeah, we have actually a very diverse now RSA you know, approves and, and in essence picks the speakers. So uh, it goes to show that they there are women out there who, at least on the topic of DevSecOps, maybe we're lucky that way. We have a lot of great, talented women uh, who will be there. And that, again, is Monday. Of course, you need to be registered for RSA. You can go to DevOpsConnect.com if you're listening to this and get a free pass for uh, RSA Expo which will get you into the DevSecOps event. Ronnie, but we'll also see you Tuesday. We'll have a luncheon on uh, security at the speed of DevOps or on DevSecOps. Hopefully you're participating. And, uh, and of course, Wednesday is the security bloggers meetup. I hope I'll see you there as well. Sure. As always, it's not a party without Ronnie. Um, but you know what, Ronnie? We're, we're actually well over our time already today. I, I apologize for going so late. But thanks for joining us. Hope to have you on a, another uh, chat soon. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Ronnie Osnott, VP, Aqua Security here on DevOps Chat with Alan Schimmel. We'll see you soon, everyone, on another DevOps Chat. Have a great day.